They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello and welcome to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast and we're recording this the Tuesday after the week before when we lost to the Gloucesters at home. Tom Abelside were stuck into bats, made a first inning total of 312. Gloucester nearly matched that uh, all out for 309, four wickets for Marchant Delanger. And then it happened again. Uh, first, uh, a top order batting collapse saw us... 4 for 37 and 68 for 5 before eventually being bowled out for 149. James Hildreth, uh, the only positive relief on the game, making 64. And then Gloucestershire cruised to victory, uh, losing only two wickets. James Bracey adding to his first innings 100 with an undefeated 83. Not the ideal second game to the season, particularly when Gloucester won their opening game and we're still, um, still trying to claw back that points deduction, Dan. How difficult does this make it to qualify from Group Two now? Yeah, I mean we we already look a bit behind, don't we? We're I think twenty. We've got seventeen points or so, haven't we? Maybe it's less than that. We're about twenty or twenty twenty-five points off the top. Um, so it seems a lot. It's but it can easily close. You know, Hampshire and Gloucestershire. I think they're playing each other in the next round of games. So you know they're going to beat. You know they'll 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 slip up at some point. Um, but we well we can't afford to lose to Leicestershire. Um, uh, we, if we lose, if we lose again in you know soon within the next few games, we're really struggling. I don't think one loss is the end of the world. Um, thing is, this game wasn't our hardest. You know, we've got some tougher tests to come. Um, you know, away to Surrey, you know, it's difficult to win at the Oval. Um, away to Hampshire as well, and home to Hampshire, there'll be tough games. So um, yeah, it, it definitely makes things difficult, but it's not the end of the world yet. Yeah. So just to. Uh clarify that group two table Hampshire top on 46 Gloucester second on 44 Surrey with 19 Somerset 17 uh, Leicester 15 and Middlesex 9 who have lost both of their games um, Steve we before we came on air we were talking about the uh, the irresistible force and the immovable object taking our batting order up to Leicester is um, who have gone for 600 in both of their first innings so far is kind of the opposite isn't it yeah, we said, isn't it? It's the it's the movable force and the resistible object. Um, I don't know. I I actually don't think we're that far away from getting some decent runs on the board. I thought Banton shaped quite well. Um, I thought, yeah, Lamanby, especially in the second innings, that ball he got, it would have got anyone. I think it would have got most people if they were fifty odd. Uh, Hildreth time in the middle important for me. So, yeah, you know, at the start of the season, we all said, didn't we, Leicester were going to be the whipping boys in this group. You know, they are a genuine bottom half of Division 2 side. But they showed a bit of fight at the Oval. I guess that was a bit of a road from the, the scores we saw. But they did show fight, and they came out of that with a draw. So, I don't know. A part of it, you think it's the perfect game to recover. And part of it, thinks it puts even more on the pressure on the batsman because they'll know that this is an attack that's gone for 600, oh, I should really call it an attack, a bowling lineup that's gone for 600 in two innings. So, 
But yeah, it's it's just so deflating because I don't think we just lost to Gloucester. I think we were outplayed by them pretty well the whole game. I look back and I thought the only session that we won was session two on the first day when Steve Davis and Craig Overton put on that stand. Um, and I think it also disguised the fact that the bowlers, try as they might, they just had a pretty poor game. You know, that final session on the Friday, we should really have have had at least a 75 lead, in my mind, on first innings. And I think that would have completely changed the complexion of the game. Uh, I think Gloucester got a pitch that looked like it had been rolled up at Neville Road and brought down to us. And um, James Bracey showed everyone how it should be done, didn't he? He did indeed. Anthony, you were uh, lucky enough to be there um, commentating <laughs> on the game. By <laughs> lucky enough to be watching some cricket, not necessarily that particular game, but um, what were your thoughts? Well, I thought Bracey was outstanding, and I think he ought to be opening the innings for England. He really did play well against against the moving ball. And he was his batting was an object lesson to our young batsmen, who just can't cope with a new ball on a pitch that's, that's nibbling about. And yeah, Tom Banton got some runs, but goodness me, he looks vulnerable. The very first shot he played was a sort of in the second innings was a airy drive outside the the off stump to a good length ball wide of the off stump. You know, he didn't need didn't need to play it. Nanambi's got another duck today, playing for the seconds in for three balls today. Um, Bartlett, you know, he's, he's, they're all hugely talented these these youngsters, <laughs> but they do they have been brought up. Are playing a lot of white ball cricket. They play white ball cricket on good wickets with a ball that doesn't move around anything like as much as the red ball does. And they find it very difficult to adjust when it's when it's nibbling about. And I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. It isn't as if we've got we've got loads of, of good batsmen waiting in the wings. Eddie Byron got some runs today, but you know, typical Eddie Byron, he got thirty eight and then he and then he gets out. Which was the story really in the innings for Somerset. So, you know, I just hope I hope that Grace Road um, or the Upton Steel County Grounds, as it's, as it's called now, against, you know, a not very good Leicestershire attack. I think that Leicestershire's strength is much more in their, in their batting. Maybe this is the chance to build some confidence amongst the young batsmen because at the moment, they're, you know, they really are. Even, even the runs that Tom Banton has got, you know, he, when he got those runs at uh, at Lords, he was dropped uh, at, at second step. He usually needs at least one life before he goes on to to uh, to score big runs, and it's it's worrying. And and the bowl, the bowlers, you're quite right, they bowled pretty well. Um, Craig Overton was unlucky. Lewis Gregory is not at his best yet. Marchant de Langer. Well, you know, he's he's okay, but he bowls at least one bad ball and over. And on a slowish pitch, his pace isn't much of a weapon. And I'm a bit worried about Jack Leach, um, who is taking a long time between deliveries. Now, this, mm. you know, we're tossing the ball from hand to hand at the, at the back at the end of his run. Now, this may be quite deliberate, um, and it may be something he's learned while he was out in, in India, not to rush through his overs so much, but just, you know, keep the batsman guessing for a little bit longer, which is, which is absolutely fine if that's the reason that that's great. But it, it, it does sort of slightly signal, signal a bit of a, a, a loss of confidence. So, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a good test against Leicestershire. Um, they've got a 
they've got a good batting side. Ha uh, Hassan Azad is a, is a good player, and of course they've got Marcus North. Um, Ma not Marcus North. Marcus Harris. Marcus North uh, is uh, played for Morgan, another Australian Test player. Marcus Harris, who had two seasons at Taunton Cricket Club. Uh, and batted with uh, with Tom Abel, so he he knows Somerset cricket pretty well, and he's a good player, you know, opening batsman. And he and Hassan Azad, you know, are will be very interesting. I've just been taking part in a discussion on Radio Leicester with um, Hassan Azad, and he was bemoaning the fact that that he can bat time, um, but can't you know he isn't known as a dashing stroke maker. Well, what we could do within Somerset is a few more who can bat time and a few fewer dashing stroke makers attractive though they are to watch so we have got dashing stroke makers at the top of the order i, I did watch a bit of tom banton in, in the first innings and my feelings are he looks very very restless for his yeah. first sort of 20 30 balls he played a he played a lovely straight drive down the ground and after that he seemed to sort of calm down a bit but what I noticed something he's doing, he'll play a forward defensive and then he'll automatically go on a twitch and the bat will point up to the bowler and he'll sort of be looking around, maybe looking for a single when there's never one there. He's just, I think, he just needs to calm down a bit. He just needs to learn to absorb that pressure and, and realise that opening the batting, particularly when you've been inserted on that first morning, isn't about necessarily finding those quick singles every ball and, and looking for runs as much as he is. Sometimes you just need to be content, hold the pose in that forward defensive and just um, and just wait for the next ball. I always think you need the three T's when you're opening the batting, technique, talent and temperament. You'd think he's, he's got two of those, whether, whether it's worth him learning that temperament and potentially at the expense of his white ball opening. Patience is what he needs. Patience. You've got to be patient. You've got to be prepared to leave the ball outside the off stump. You've got to be prepared to play, you know, dead bat forward defensive after dead bat forward defensive. Tom Lamanby showed that very well in the innings when he carried his bat at Worcester uh, last season. But as Jason Kerr said um, when I talked to him after the game, I said, you know, what's the problem with Tom Lamanby? He said, well, we don't really know whether he's in form or not because he hasn't been out there long enough. <laughs> I don't think he's lasted more than, more than an over in in, um, in any of his four innings. But uh, it's just it's something that they the, tr the trouble is that the, I keep going back to this. They play so much white ball cricket that that's their instinctive response now. Um, and red with red ball cricket, they're they're forcing themselves to play a form of the game that doesn't come naturally to them. You've seen it with Joss Butler. Uh, when he's when he's batting for England in, in test matches, you certainly see it with, with Tom Banton and an extent with Tom Lambie uh, as well. And the only the only thing that's going to change cure it change it is experience. So that, I wouldn't go in for wholesale changes. You know, even if even if we have another uh, another bad uh, game against Leicestershire, I think we've got to stick with these youngsters, give them give them the experience, and, and turn them into really good red ball batsmen. They've got the talent. It's just a matter of of learning on the job. Yeah, um, we had a few young batsmen playing in the second eleven game against Worcester today. I know you've been keeping an eye on all things second eleven, Dan. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us about poor old Tom Lamanby's uh, game so far at uh, at Taunton Vale? Well, he he bowled a few overs in the first innings. Um, where's the where's my scorecard gone? Oh, I've lost it. I did have it up. He bowled a few overs in the first innings um, without taking any wickets. But yeah, with the bat, I had high hopes. I tweeted, oh, "Here we go, everyone." Tom Lamanby is about to open the batting for the second eleven. I look again a few minutes later, and three ball duck. 
and yeah, my head was in my hands. Like that's you know that is four in a row now, and I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, he's he's and he got out in a similar sort of manner to how he got out against Gloucestershire. I'm not I'm, I'm no technical expert, but he's he's I don't think he's getting his weight fully forward. He's sort of squaring himself up, and that happened against Gloucestershire. I think in one of the innings, he seemed to sort of his you know his, his other foot came forward after he played the ball, and something is off with his with his technique. I think, and he's he just looks a bit laboured. You know, the, the shot just didn't it just wasn't convincing. You know, the shot that he got out. It, you, you can only see clips on the um, website, and that's the one clip of him um, batting from today because obviously the, the other two balls were dot balls. Um, so yeah, it's a worry. Yeah, poor old. Uh, so the the score from that uh, second eleven game: Worcester batted first uh, for a day and a half, four sixty six all out, uh, and currently we are one hundred eighty one for six in reply. Eddie Byram getting into the thirties and getting out. That sounds quite familiar. Tom Lamanby with the three ball duck. Uh, ben Green got a few wickets uh, in the first innings. Uh, Lewis Goldsworthy runs again for him. He's unbeaten on fifty nine, so that possibly is something we could talk about in a second. Um, and who else? Uh, GS Drizzle. Not quite sure who that is, but he's not out on 25 as well. Steve, we have a top order that isn't making runs. Young Lewis Goldsworthy has made, I think he's 100 and a couple of 50s now. Are you tempted to try and sneak him in somewhere? In a word, no, because Lewis Goldsworthy for me would bat four or five. He's not an opener. And so, to accommodate him, you have to do what Anthony wants and move Tom Abel up. And then you've got to move George Bartlett to three to back Goldsworthy at five. And I think it's it's the same as in a football side. If you move somebody out midfield to play in defence for a game, that compromises not just your defence, but your midfield. So, I'm, I'm loath to do that. I think Goldsworthy's got a huge amount of promise. But it's universally true, isn't it? Your best player is always the guy who's not in the team. You know, when we sat here before the Middlesex game, none of us would have picked Goldsworthy to play in the starting side. Let him get loads of runs. And if I'm totally with Anthony, I think he and I, I was teasing him on Twitter on Saturday about he's the problem with the top order because he keeps wanting Tom Abel to open in the evening because he's in the first over pretty much every innings. Um, I'm with Anthony that I wouldn't change anything. I, I was thinking, Anthony, back, and you'll remember this, the others are much too young to remember this, back in the 70s, we had a problem. I think it was Phil Slocum who was opening at the time and couldn't get a run for Love and Money. And Derek Taylor, who was a non-batting wicketkeeper, usually batted about nine. It was only usually Hallam Mosley and Brian Langford who batted below him, which, God bless them, is not that great a recommendation. He moved up to open um, and got 179. I think it was against Glamorgan, but my memory might be opening things are virtually batted throughout the day and then went on to make himself into a very passable opener until Denning and Rose became the regular opening partnership and I was just thinking is is there a case because tech and this is just completely left field but perhaps our two technically most correct low order batsmen are Josh Davey and Jack Leach <laughs> <laughs> and you know that if you're going to make if you are going to make a change and i absolutely don't advocate it but that's how bent my mind has become in the last couple of days that i'm even entertaining something like that so i said it i said it before the middle six game <laughs> I, I will stick i think we've got to stick 
I don't think there's a time for panic. I think if you were to drop Lamb and Beal, move Banton down the order now, psychologically the damage it would do to young cricketers would be too much. They've got to learn, as Anthony said, this will... You know, look how Hildy has had to really work. And he was clearly absolutely grafting his heart out to get those runs. And toward the end, sort of started to me to look like he was feeling comfortable and whatever. And then he got sawn off again, in my opinion. Um they just need, you know, Lamon be back to lunch one day and all will be right with the world again because he, he'll be back in the swing of it. And he'll, Dan's right, I think he's overthinking it at the moment rather than just letting the natural talent do the batting. I, th I think there is a case for moving, um, possibly for moving Steve Davis up to open and put Lamon be down at, at number six. Uh, I suggested this to, to, to Jason Kerr and, it, and he, didn't, he didn't sort of laugh it out of court. He said, well, that's, a, you know, that's an interesting thought the trouble is that steve davis is just as vulnerable as these days outside the off stump <laughs> the batsman is in, uh, opening the batting as, as any of the others but um i, I don't know i think they I, I i guess it must be possible that they'll bring eddie barham in in, in place of tom Lannanby. i mean if tom Lannanby really is as badly out of form as, as he gives the impression of being and um it was interesting my co-commentator from gloucestershire uh, ed seaborn said uh, prior to the start of play on, on Sunday, he was watching um, James Bracey and Tom Lamanby in adjacent nets. And Bracey was, you know, playing just like he played in the match, you know, immaculate. And Lamanby was all over the place. And, and I just wonder whether, you know, it, it, it might be the time to give Eddie Byron his, his chance and maybe to bat him and Steve Davis at, at the top of the order. Move Banton down to five, have Bartlett, Bartlett at three, uh, Abel at three, Hildreth four, um, then um, the one I haven't, <laughs> one I've forgotten, uh, Bartlett at five, uh, and then um, have uh, have Banton at six with Davis at seven. I don't know. We're, we're you know. But I, th I think I'd, I'd be surprised if they make uh, many, many changes. I think they, they will. They, they've decided to give this lineup an extended run, and uh, it will be some time, I think, before they depart from the formula they've, they've agreed upon. Yeah, I think we. I don't think we'll see um, any changes for the uh, Leicester game, which starts on Thursday, barring any injuries. Uh, I completely agree with you. I, th I think they'll give it at least. At least this game, maybe another one before they make any changes. What do we think about Lamanby then? Was he playing above himself last season and now he's just... I don't know, it's its really difficult to to sort of quantify where he is as a cricketer now because hes he was such an outstanding success last season. It was such a happy accident that he was just sort of thrown up there to open the bat and he had all this tremendous success and he is really now in, in the thick of second season syndrome and when you're in this terrible in this bad a nick it just kind of sucks you down you just start second guessing yourself you start tinkering with your technique when you when you really shouldn't need to and he hasn't got that experience to uh, to fall back on really having only still only played a handful of first class games but I don't think he's he's got to 10 yet has he so yeah, difficult times for, for young Tom Lamanby, but um, yeah, let's hope uh, Jim Troughton can uh, just get in his ear and build his confidence up. I did have a tweet last week. Somebody told me that, uh, oh, Somerset should sack their batting coach. And he's only been in the job two weeks, so it's a little bit premature. 
<laughs> anyway, um, just just on 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 Lambie, um, I think the thing with him we just don't know enough. He's he's literally only played what seven first class games. He was a make or eight first class games. He was a makeshift opener last season. He started off you know okay out of a couple of thirties. Then went on this amazing run of form. And now he's lost his form. We just don't know enough about him yet. You know, we need we don't have enough of a sample size of matches to really judge him. You know, he, he played above himself. You know, um, those last few games of last season. Now is what you know what st- what statisticians call regressing to the mean. I think <laughs> you know he's not this bad, and he's not quite as good as you know scoring a century every match. You know, in, um, like he did at the end of last season. So you know, time will tell. I think, um, and hopefully, I think with the Leicestershire game. If he feels completely mentally shot, maybe they won't play him. But I think most likely he will play, um, and they'll you know they'll back him as as that that was always the plan. You know they were they were you know they were they were never gonna they were never planning to drop anyone for bad form after two matches because that yeah you know, again it's not, not nothing like any sample size to drop someone. Um, so you know they'll back him unless unless he personally tells them I think or, or unless coaches judge that he just is completely mentally shot and will benefit from. Um, from missing out absolutely shall we move on to listeners questions i should do it uh, i should do a jingle for that all right <coughs> let's go through the twitter notifications then this one in from james hart it's widely accepted that our bowling is stronger than our batting but how much of a difference really is there and how weak really is our batting compared to other counties slightly leading question but on social media chats you would think we never got past 150 <laughs> I can sort of answer that in terms of just in, purely in terms of averages. Last season, uh, we finished seventh on the batting averages. So if you if you if every team if you if you divide every team's runs by the number of wickets they lost, we finished seventh, which is you know respectable. You know seventh out of eighteen counties. Um, but obviously, we were helped a lot by the lower order last season. Yeah, you know, there was probably about five or six innings we were overly reliant on lower order runs. So if you, I haven't looked at it, but if you looked at it like runs by the top six or seven we'd probably be lower um if you look at this season uh let me just bring it up a minute um we are pretty low obviously it's a small sample size um but we are 17th out of 18 in terms of batting average only middlesex oh dan's frozen again Mm. put 50p in your internet meter dan it's it's quite right i mean um 2019 when we came second in the county championship no Somerset batsman averaged more than 32 and a half. Mm. You know, and we were we were bailed out match after match after match by the bowlers, either with the ball or with the bat. We we do have a real problem with that. The, you know, the, nobody doubts the talent there, but it's realising that that potential which they just haven't done. Especially James Hildreth was the save one of the saving graces of the, of the Gloucestershire game because he looked at last as if he was coming back into form in that uh, second innings and we need someone we need some solidity in that batting lineup which hopefully tom abel can provide and, and james hildreth so that so that you've got a sort of batting spine which most other counties have got when I mean, you take leicestershire they've got hassan azad and and uh, marcus harris they will they will both bat time they're good solid players gloucestershire <laughs> have got james bracy and, and um and brathwaite Who's, who's another, you know, another batting time, and we we need that solidity in the in the batting lineup. And various people have been saying to me on Twitter, why didn't we sign an overseas batsman rather than an overseas bowler? 
Martin Delanger, who who's coming on second change. And I think that, that you know that that's a fair comment. Jason Kerr would probably say, well, there just aren't the the, the um, overseas batsmen around who are prepared to commit for the whole season. <coughs> yeah, I'd agree with that, Steve. Um, do you think we're as uh, our batters are as bad as the rest of the counties? Nope, I don't. Um, and I I actually think with Lamanby, the th your three T's earlier, Ian, I think Lamanby's actually got temperament in abundance. I think he showed that last year. Um, a lot of, they say, not that I've been in a position to judge from personal experience, but they say that elite sport is a lot in the head. And I, I get the feeling he's a very level-headed young man. So um, I back him. I, I just wonder whether... It's almost an accumulation of strain on the bowlers that, you know, if we'd have def would we have defended 250 if we'd have taken those last couple of wickets on Friday? I wonder how much it was that, oh, here we go again. You know, you know, you played club cricket or whatever. You know, there's that constant, the bowlers and the batsmen type to and fro. And even if it's slightly subliminal, I think there might well have been that. You know, Jack Leach slightly worried by what Anthony said and I just thought of a word and won't even say it but you know he didn't have any control in the second innings where in the first innings he bowled with with nice control and again if if the England coaches are trying to get change him and get away I never understand this you get into the England side and then the England coaches say oh now you're in the England side we want to do this you know, did it with James Anderson at the start of his career and told him he couldn't look down when he bowled he'd never take a test wicket doing that and he's gone back to what he didn't done a great job so that worries me slightly um i was slightly worried that josh davy didn't bowl very much in the second innings um don't know why that was uh but then you know i was hoping jack brooks would take a hat full for the twos this week and maybe give us another option there because you're there you're looking at ned leonard or sonny baker probably as being the next best scene bowlers which wouldn't really be fair on them so early in their career so i think anthony's point earlier you know we've got we've got a decent squad but i don't think we've got people knocking the door down at the moment to come into that first 11. yeah ned leonard picked up four wickets today uh for the second team there were a couple of lower order guys in there so he uh, he did start off that innings going around the park a little bit. I think he was going around at about five and over, but he did he did pull it back. And uh, Sonny Baker took one for sixty eight. That uh, he's only eighteen, but he seems to have the trademark dismissal of that quicking, swinging York and knocking out off stump. So uh, if that's your trademark, it's not a bad one to have. What about Casey Aldridge? Have you seen any anything of him? The last time I saw Casey Aldridge, he was walking around the outfield with one of those boots on um, mm -hmm. in during one of the the warm up games. So I'm not sure how severe that injury is or uh, how long that would take, but I thought he's probably, um, if you've got one of those boots on, it's normally probably at least a few weeks before you're back, um, even bowling in the net. So uh, I'm sure somebody will tweet us once they've listened to us and uh, let us know the uh, the state of Casey Aldridge. But um, I'm very impressed with Casey Aldridge. There was, uh, I was the first warm-up game he played in. It was bitterly freezing cold. I think it was the Worcester game, and he was fielding at, uh, at third or fourth slip in just his his shirt with no jumper on as well. So he's obviously made of stern stuff, young Mister Aldridge. So uh, we do wish him the uh, the best for recovery. But Steve, you were uh, waving the pen. I just wonder whether I mean Ben Green picked up four wickets. 
um, top order wickets as well on Monday. I just wonder whether if they are going to rotate the bowlers, which we talked about, and I said, you know, maybe Leicester might be a game to rotate a bowler if there's an injury, whether the play might be to bring Ben Greening to bowl, because he didn't bowl that much today, which suggests they might have rested him up a little bit, bring him in, and that, that sort of would elongate the batting lineup, or you ask him to open again. I think we're all, it shows, shows that we're all just mentally stewing with this at the moment i think we could probably all pick about three different teams and each of us would then rip each other's teams apart for what we've picked but yeah um yeah i was just, just really concerned about josh davy because he is integral for me he is he is the glue that allows the others to bowl around him almost in that that lineup at the moment yeah agree with that i think Ben Green got some runs in the first second eleven game, didn't he, Dan, against Warwickshire? Um I'm gonna be maybe. Uh, let me I can literally check now. Uh for the second elevens this season, Green's got no no, he's seventy six runs of a high score of twenty four. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, high score of twenty four. So and he had fourteen today, so he's not really got form behind him. And he had a few low scores in pre season as well. Okay, fair enough. Right, moving on then to our next listener question from Simon. Is the issue at the top of the order really to do with the loss of Tresco to the England setup? It feels like something that has rumbled on for a while now. What do you think our options really are to fix? Um, this is something that has annoyed me, well, not annoyed me for a little while, but slightly concerned me is for about the last 10 years now, we, we would have known that Marcus or the Somerset. Uh, coaching staff and setup would have known that Marcus Truscothic could have retired pretty much nearly any time um, so he would have been certainly for the last sort of five or six years um, getting into his 40s and we never really properly prepared his replacement we tried Tom Abel um, when he started his career with Somerset opening the bat he did reasonably well we've brought in uh, overseas players of, of various success to open the batting but it is something that you, you have to say that the lack of succession plan and we're sat here now uh, sort of nearly two years after Marcus has retired and we're still talking about who should be opening the batting Well Lamby was a bonus you know no one expected Lamby to do so well opening the batting so it's well I mean I know he's lost a bit of form but it was it was good that he managed to seal up one of the spots I mean Byron's another obviously who has you know been tried a fair bit um, in the last few years. Um, we also had Myber for a few years. I know that wasn't a long-term thing, but Myber was another player around who opened. And I guess maybe they thought Abel would open long-term, but I think I guess now uh, uh, this, uh, you know, currently he seems to think number three is his best spot. Um, I mean, and obviously now, yeah, now it's Banton's, Banton's turn, and you know that might not be a long-term thing either. So, but you know, there's not. I mean, yeah, they could have done more, but. You know, all you can do is try the players you've got and um, and see how they go. And sadly, no one's really nailed it down yet. We have breaking news. ECB confirms restructure to selection of England men's senior teams. Oh, it's not as interesting as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got the I ECB just, up on I your phone, jump. it would have oh, burst in. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. Smith removes. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just, I just think when you've got such a strong academy and youth setup as we have, 
there's the danger that you you don't want to bring outside players in, even when they're available. So I've, I've got two opening batsmen who I think would fit into Anthony's archetypal description that maybe we could have tried a bit harder to get. Jake Libby is the obvious one, Cornishman, you know, just fantastic player, always been an admirer of him. You'd get five or six years at the top of the order, Jake Libby. Um, wouldn't do any harm for developing the links with Cornish cricket even further. Hasib Hamid, okay, he had a really bad run at Lancashire. But again, he was somebody that we might have looked at. And I think you've just got, you, I hear what you say in about succession planning, but, you know, we had this with wicket keepers, didn't we? We had two world-class wicket keepers and then suddenly we had none. You, you know, it's it, there's a saying in baseball, if you think you've got too many pitchers, go out and sign another pitcher. And I think it might be interpreted, if you think you've got too many young top-order batsmen, go out and get another top-order batsman, to, to paraphrase. Mm -hmm. I do I do think that's an opportunity missed, and every run that Libby scores at the moment sort of seems a bit of a, a dagger in my heart, I've got to say. Well, he, he, was out, he did play for Somerset seconds, didn't he? And then didn't, we didn't think he was good enough. So the breaking, the breaking news is that Ed Smith will leave the ECB at the end of the month. The role of national selector uh, will no longer exist. Blah, 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 blah. Ashley Giles will give clear accountability to the England men's head coach, Chris Silverwood, who will have overall responsibility for future squad selections from this point. What do we, mm. make, of, what do we make of that? This is live breaking news. This is a, a first to always look on the bright side of life. That's come out of the blue for me. I, I don't know where that's come from. I thought the whole point of having a selector was that the coach, if you have a coach selecting the team, they've got a bit of a conflict of interest. You know, the coach is meant to be there for the players so the players can go to the coach and sort of talk to him about problems with form and stuff. But if the players know that the coach is selecting the team, then they might be less likely to talk to the coach about any issues they've got with their game. So, um, yeah, that seems odd to me on first look, but I don't know much, obviously, mm. about um, about the story. I think Ed Smith's legacy for me will always be these um, strange selections that he pulled out, like Jason Roy opening the batting in the Ashes and 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 picking Joss Butler on his on his IPL form to bat at seven. Great fans of Josses. Yeah, we're all great fans of Josses, but it just seemed you know, very strange to pick him for his IPL form to bat at seven in the in the Test team and not keep wicket. Um, he had a hunch. He had a hunch. He, he likes, he, he really, uh, I was just going to say, it, it doesn't bode well for Joss's chances of taking over from Joe Root as captain of the England Test side. Because uh, I think that's what Ed Smith had in mind. Cool. Moving on then. Um, did you notice any other questions on the social notifications, guys? I think I've only had the, uh, only had a couple in. I think it's fair to say if you take out all the comments about changing the batting order, um, Simon <laughs> Dolly said to me reversing the batting order, and that there's not been much time to think about anything else for no, the last two days. We, so. could, we could sit here till midnight talking about the batting order. I've got some good news. I've got my tickets for uh, the first two days of the Gloucester game. I shall be up there at uh, at the uh, the Brightside Ground for the first two days of the County Championship. I was successful in the non-members ballot. Well done. I guess you'll be there, Anthony. Um, are we all? Um, we should organise it. Always look on the bright side of life. Night out on the Thursday. <laughs> I'll be staying in the uh, in the Premier Inn somewhere near. Uh... Uh, well, I'm now going to drive drive up and back every every day. But um, 
Yeah. Well, it's good to see Gloucester doing well, isn't it? Mm. After yeah. I come from Devon, you see. So Somerset is my first team and Gloucester is my second team. So I'd rather, if anyone's going to beat Somerset, from my money, Gloucester are the ones I'd like to see beat. And I'll be rooting for Gloucester going down to the Aegeus Pool this week mm. because I think Hampshire are our favourites to top this group, the way things are going. And if, and if Gloucester can lower their colours, mm -hmm. you know, that, that will stand us in, in rather better stead than we are at the moment. So go Gloucester! <laughs> Go on, Steve. I'm on, com I'm on completely the other side of that, Anthony, because my <laughs> formative years were that we, if you remember back in the day, we used to play at this time of the season because the season started about the last week of April and we used to play the Benson and Hedges Zonal, which was always the same. So it was Glamorgan, Gloucestershire, Somerset, Worcestershire and Hampshire were the five teams in our group. Although occasionally we got Minor County South and one of those teams went elsewhere. Um, and Gloucestershire, as you probably know, were Proctorshire at the time. And they had Sadiq, Mohammed and Zahir Abbas and Mike Proctor. And David Green. Mike Pro yeah. David, um, David Shepherd, of course, was yeah, uh, Shepherd. their solid middle order batsman, another from the, the Overton's <laughs> part of the world. And I'm not ashamed to say that my dad had to take a weeping eight and nine year old out to the county ground on several occasions when Proctor or Zahir had destroyed us in the in the pre Viven Botham days. Um, so, yeah, I'm 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 of completely the opposite persuasion. I'm afraid. In, in, those, just... days, in those days, Gloucester would probably be my favourite team. Because for my money, Mike Proctor is one of the finest cricketers who ever walked this this earth, and and they were a, a great great side, and they should have won the, the the county championship and were narrowly beaten by Hampshire, in I think it was it was seventy three or seventy four or something like mm -hmm. that. I was heartbroken about that, but yeah, they were a great. But David Green, who opened the batting for Hampshire, was a great friend of, of my father and family. Lovely bloke. They were they were a great a great great side. And it's good to see, you know, revival in Gloucestershire's cricketing fortunes. From from my my perspective, I get a lot of stick from. This is the know, Somerset Cricket Podcast. Yeah, well, I know, but you know, we should be generous to our opponents, whoever they are. And uh, and I think, you know, going back to going back to Leicestershire, they're going to give us a good game at uh, at Grace Road over the uh, over the over the four days and we're going to have to be pretty, I, I did warn you before the Gloucester game that they were not to be underestimated mm. that certainly turned out and I think the same goes for goes for Leicester we're going to have to we're going to have to uh, get our get our act together uh, as a team if if we're going to come in that if we're going to reach the top two <laughs> in very very strong division yes it's going to be uh, difficult to qualify if we if we don't manage to beat Leicester because I don't I don't think um I think Hampshire are just better than us I don't think we can uh, we can beat Hampshire Gloucestershire are the the team we can beat Gloucester so I think yeah you're absolutely right if Gloucester can manage to get a result down at the Rose Bowl um this week then uh, that would certainly be uh, of Somerset's benefit Steve two things one Hampshire are notorious fast starters in Red Bull cricket they've had a look back a couple of weeks ago and they do have this habit of starting really well then sort of going off the boil and then as we know to our cost coming back strong at the end of the season <laughs> but we did say when we were previewing the season this was the group where it's quite possible that you could have everyone beating each other 
So, you know, Surrey are third, but haven't won a game yet. They lost and drawn, and they're only third because of our points deduction. Let's not mention it again, but that's the truth. You know, you, could, you wouldn't say that it's impossible that Middlesex, who are bottom with nine points, couldn't beat Surrey this week. You know, and as Anthony said earlier, Gloucestershire could go down to the Aegeus Rose Bowl, whatever it is now, and say, get a win or a really good draw. You know, we just, I, I think this is one of those games, it's not season defining as such, but a win here, and you'd sort of think things aren't great, but they're much better. Not winning could be really damaging to morale. And, you know, that's, that's always, the next game is always the I best game. I've been looking back to the last time we played. Leicestershire, back in 2007, Somerset made 675 for five declared. <laughs> and the first four bats batsmen, Triscothic, Edwards, Hildreth and uh, Cameron White, all made hundreds. <laughs> and in the game before that, up at Grace Road, we beat them by 193 runs. So, you know, but that was that was the great season of 2007 when we came top of the second division by, by a mile. So... Hopefully, hopefully the, the, the batsmen over the next few days can channel some of that experience in 2000. Even though, even though the form book is very dusty in red ball cricket, it is still the form book. Um, but I absolutely take your point, Steve. That What makes it even more difficult is the margin for error having that points deduction is just so narrow now. You know, we, we just seem like, say, we had one bad session, which... Oh, I hate Keep change the record, Shepherd. But you know that one bad session with the bat on Saturday could potentially cost us qualification. It's it's really on a knife edge. Like I said, the margin for error is so so slender. Looking ahead to Thursday, then I'm going to ask you the no changes uh, for any of us. I don't think. I think barring any injuries, we'll keep that same team. Just in terms of just on a slightly brighter note about the batting, um, we've had we've had seven different players score fifties. Only two teams have had more players score fifties this season. This just shows that everyone has found everyone but Lamanby has found some level of form. They just need to do it. Well, the one they need to actually make these fifties into hundreds because that's something we did quite well last season, and that's part of the reason that we managed to collapse a lot but still actually make runs. As well as the lower order scoring a lot of runs, the, the players who did get in did get centuries. I think we only had, I think of all the centuries in the top six, most of them were. So most of all the fifties in the top six, most of them were converted to centuries. This team we've not converted any yet. So that's one thing that obviously needs to happen. And the other thing is the players need to score runs together rather than taking it in turns to score runs. You know, that's what we it sort of happened last year and uh, it's happening this year, isn't it? So they will found some form, which is some which is encouraging. We'll leave it on a positive note then, Dan. <laughs> let's <laughs> hope, yeah, saying. let's hope we can win the toss on a flat one, bat first and as you say, Anthony, rekindle that spirit of 2007 and uh, and slap 600 on the board in a couple of days. Best of luck to Tom Abel and the guys for uh, Thursday's championship game up at uh, up at Grace Road. But for Steve Tancock, Anthony Gibson and Dan Kingdom, I'm Ian Shepherd. You've been listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. If you want to tweet us, we are at Somerset Podcast. Drop us an email at thesomersetpodcast at gmail.com and we're on Facebook as well. Uh, but for now, we will catch you in a week's time. <laughs>